Hi, everybody. David Noor. I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Curve Benders Live. I'm delighted you're here. I'm live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you've attended any of my previous sessions, I would encourage you to jump in with your questions, comments, stories, examples that uh, today's topic may resonate with you. I'm going to talk about uh, in the third chapter of my recent book, most recent book, Curve Benders, uh, I wrote uh, an entire section on how to meet individuals I believe can dramatically, if not profoundly, shape both your direction and ultimate destination in your growth journey, in your journey from now to next, in helping you reach your aspirations, kind of where you're trying to get to. Uh, and I call these relationships curve benders. They are more than just casual acquaintances. They're more than coaches or mentors or great bosses. They can certainly be all those, and they're inclusive of those, but they're individuals we remember for really critical points in our lives, what I call those refraction points, where we had options, where we could have gone one direction or another. And they shape not just our performance, execution, and results, but they shape the manager, the leader that we become, the things that we prioritize. I had a, a coffee visit earlier today with a young man, and we're interviewing him you know, for a role. And I love his question about, well, tell me about your expectations of me in this role. And I distinctly captured you know, four or five critical expectations. And then Afterwards, I was thinking to myself, well, where did those come from? And certainly some are just through your own experiences, but most of them were what my past great bosses and coaches and mentors, and again, the people that have shaped me as a manager or leader have expected of me over the years. So again, those are the individuals I call curve benders. I've written extensively an entire book on the topic. In today's session, I want to continue our series. So we've been talking about you know, anytime I tell people that these are people that can dramatically change your life, as you can imagine, the biggest question I get is, well, who are these magical, mystical creatures? Where are they? And how can I find them? How can I meet them? I think a more profound question is, how do you become one in the lives of others? So we're in chapter three. If you're following along in the book, um, we're on page 100. Uh, and I'm talking about seven steps, seven steps that uh, really give you the best chance to meet potential curve benders in your life. And again, we're in step five. I would encourage you to go back and watch the previous series on any of these social media channels, or we've also turned these into podcasts. And if you go to norgroup.com slash podcast, uh, you'll find all of the previous episodes. So step one, personal foundation. We talked about a growth journey. Uh, a mindset of entrepreneurial, regardless of what's the, the logo on your business card or in your email. Do you bring an entrepreneurial mindset? Do you bring a growth mindset that you're going to continue to learn and grow? And do you bring a, a digital mindset? Increasingly, none of us can ignore the evolution of technology and digital first and really thinking about digital tools and getting away from paper that's not easily searchable. Or, you know, you can't index it. You can't easily share it with others to now digital tools. And how do we securely, how do we consistently, how do we confidently use a digital mindset to get our work done? Second step was professional commitment. 
I keep using the example of my dad telling me, I don't care if you become a garbage collector, become the best garbage collector you can. I don't meet enough people who professionally commit to not just meeting, but exceeding existing expectations of them. Everybody seems to be jockeying for that next job or that next promotion or, well, I'm a sales rep today, but I really want to be a sales manager. Nothing about here's what I'm doing to be the best sales rep I can and let my work speak for me. I remember years ago, uh, one of my kids wanted uh, these bright neon soccer shoes. And the conversation we got around to having is let your playing speak for you, not your obnoxious clothes, not your over-the-top you know, sizzle in some ways, and you forget the steak. So a professional commitment, as I said, is not just meeting, it's really ex exceeding existing expectations of you. Step three was catalyst. If you remember the first one of the first chemistry classes you ever took, you may have combined a couple of different chemicals that created a chain reaction. In this context, I talk about a catalyst as an awareness that either something is missing in your personal professional life or there is a higher aspiration for you. There's a, there's a better version of you just waiting out there for you to reach, for you to go do, for you to embark on, for you to go embrace. Uh, you know, so most of us, and, and I've always believed, even when coaching and managing others, if you light a fire under someone, I'm not convinced that's going to last. That's not sustainable. Uh, conversely, if you light a fire within someone, that is a purpose. That is a drive. That is going to get them through the ups and downs of any job. Well, why not do the same thing with ourselves? So a catalyst is that inertia that's innate intrinsic motivation that says i'm gonna go do something bigger i'm gonna go do something above and beyond maybe the rat race i'm in now or maybe um I, i've always believed the arc of any job is about three to five years it's gonna take you that long to really figure out the job the ecosystem what it takes to succeed and i've met leaders i've coached leaders that have just stayed in that job way too long and what you're signaling, whether you like it or not, you know, whether you intend to or not, is I'm comfortable. And comfort is really where complacency kind of comes from. And the day you become complacent, you're no longer valuable to what I believe to be your biggest asset, which is your relationships. So that catalyst is a spark. That catalyst, again, something in you that says, regardless of a whole lot of things I can't control. Not, you know, very few of us can control the economy inflationary pressures, geopolitics, whatever is outside of our control, there's certain things that are absolutely within my control. And I can go change those. I can go elevate those. I can go, as I said, become a better version. You can't be me. I can't be you. I can't be some of my mentors. So how do we go become the best version of ourselves? That's that spark that you need. That's that catalyst that kind of burns within. In the last session, I talked about immersive inquiry. So you're excited about this next job. You're excited about getting out of the corporate world and chasing a franchise, or you're excited about an international opportunity. Whatever that next step is, in the last episode, I gave you a game plan of go immerse yourself. Go really explore what's possible, what's probable, uh, you know, what is the path, what's the potential. 
right? All of those things are the things you need to go do your due diligence on. Again, the young man I was interviewing today, I said, listen, you got to interview us and you got to make sure this is a place you want to come hang your hat. This is a place you want to grow with us through. And ideally, you're doing as much due diligence on us as we're doing on you. So, you know, that immersive inquiry is all about how do I minimize surprises? How do I make sure six months from now, if I make this leap into a new job, or if I go buy that franchise or launch that website or do that side hustle, whatever it is, how do I minimize the risk? You're not going to be able to completely eliminate it, but how do I minimize the risk? How do I go in with my eyes wide open of what I'm getting myself into? And how do I minimize surprises? And, and just a personal note, I'm never concerned about what I don't know. I, I love learning. I can figure that out. I'm always concerned about what I don't know I don't know. And that's when a two by four comes your way and it's got a rusted nail in it. So immersive inquiry is all about doing your homework, doing your diligence, and really being prepared in what is it that you're walking into. So today's session, I wanted to set that up. Those are the, those are kind of the prerequisites to where we've gotten here. Step five is really all about strategic relationships. And let me take those scenarios, those three most common scenarios. Uh, a promotion at work, um, you know, you want to go lead a new team or you're a contributor today and you're, you know, you want to go be a manager or director or you're a director, you want to go after a bigger job. Leaving the corporate world to go uh, join a startup, start a franchise, uh, whatever that kind of, you know, very different path is. And or kind of changing the lifestyle altogether, right? I want to change industries. I want to phys you know, physically get up and move geographies. I've, I've been, you know, I'm a sales rep. I've covered this territory. I want to go move cross country to a new environment where I don't know anybody. Now, increasingly, I believe in what I call WFX, which is work from the X marks the spot. We all work from anywhere and everywhere. As long as I have internet access, I really can work from anywhere and everywhere. And I think a lot of knowledge workers can do that. So those three scenarios we've talked about so far, you've done your due diligence, you've done your homework. Um, this section is all about with a crystal clear catalyst. So you've got the spark, you've done your homework. I really want you to think about strategic relationships as an army. What has to happen for you to activate this army? And beyond, beyond the people you need to get to know, I want you to start with people you already know. And I'm going to give you some, some really, hopefully, practical, pragmatic advice that I think will be relevant regardless of what fork you find yourself in. Um, in any of those scenarios, what I do is make a list. I, I, you know, guilty. I'm a list maker. So let's just say, you know, I want to, you know, a job promotion, right? I'm a sales rep. Um, you know, I want to be a manager. I'm a project manager. I'm being asked to lead all of project management. I'm, I'm a, you know, whatever you're, you're a contributor to that and you're being asked to lead or, you know, manage or you're a manager and you're being asked to lead a, a much bigger potential part of the business. I make a list of, my existing relationships who are already in that position. If I'm a sales rep, I make a list of sales managers. If I'm a sales manager, I make a list of VPs of sales 
that I already know. This is your existing, I call it in the book, relationship bank. These are your existing relationships. Uh, I want to leave the corporate world and I want to go buy a franchise. I want to go buy a restaurant franchise. I'm making a list of who do I know who's already in the restaurant business or who do I know who's already in the franchise business. I'm going to go international or I'm going to change my geography. Who do I know in that location? Who do I know in that? And, and what I want you to do is really think about this broader idea of an ecosystem. So in every job, every company, every industry, every geography, every professional arena, there's an ecosystem of players, of seekers and solvers, of uh, who makes things happen? Who are the big players? Who are their supply chain? Right? So I'm making a list of my existing relationships. And then I'm reaching out. And, and this is really critical. Your relationships do not want to hear that you're scattered. Well, I'm thinking of this. And I'm thinking of this. And have you met people who have like idea a minute? Guilt. I've, I've been accused of that, by the way. Right? From time to time. But if you go to your relationships with a very specific, and here's the key, purpose. So, Ken, uh, you know what I do? I love what I do. Uh, at my age or my stage of life, I'm thinking of an alternative path. I've done my homework. I've done my due diligence. Here is the opportunity. Not opportunity three and five and seven. Here's the opportunity that I'm thinking of. And I'm, I'm having these, by the way, every one of these, not an email. I don't toss things over the wall. There are ideally a coffee visit in person, if at all possible. If not, it's a Zoom meeting or some sort of video where I can see them and they can see me because of the nonverbal communication. It's a phone call, right? So those are my preferred approaches. And by the way, if somebody lives somewhere else, doesn't matter. I can I'll still get on a plane and go there if at all possible, particularly if we're talking about changing geography, right? But I love in person, coffee, lunch, meal, cup of, you know, coffee or glass of wine or beer, whatever. But I'm trying to ideally do it in person if at all possible. And I'm going to go to them and say, here's what I'm thinking. I've done my due diligence. My first question is, what do you think? And this is the key. You have to be disciplined enough to be quiet. Because we all tend to get so excited about whatever we've been thinking of, right? You've been doing your homework. You're excited about this next job. You've been interviewing. You've been doing all kinds of due diligence on the franchise. You've been thinking about moving to Denver or London, whatever it is. You, you're now emotionally charged, emotionally engaged with this next phase. And if you don't hear anything else from me in this session, you need to hear this. The best managers, the best leaders I've ever worked with Find a way to disengage their emotions from their decision-making. So I could be really excited about an idea. This franchise restaurant concept looks great. I want to go do that. This, you know, life, you know, chance of a lifetime for me to get promoted to be the VP of sales. They get emotionally attached to that idea. Hell, we get emotionally attached to our pets and buying a car or a new house. And it's okay. If you didn't feel, and I've got a, a good friend, Peter Bregman, who often talks about this. If you don't let yourself feel excited, disappointed, frustrated, over the moon, right? if you don't let yourself feel those things, soon you're not going to feel anything. 
And by the way, if you don't feel those things, you know, you better check your pulse, right? So it's okay to feel those things. You just got to give it a little bit of a space between that emotion and decision-making. So when I ask other people, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? The key here is be quiet and let them share with you their perspectives. And I, you know, I appreciate those that, you know, well, this is a lot to unpack. Let me think about it and get back to you. I'm respectful of that. What I found is a lot of times the first reaction is a great one. First reaction is their intuition. First reaction is a culmination of their experience, their, their, their interactions in that ecosystem. Remember, these are relationships in that arena that you want to go pursue, right? These are strategic relationships who know you hopefully like you, trust you, have some experience in working with you. They professionally know your strengths. Maybe they've also seen some of your growing edges. And initially when I ask them, what do you think? Most people want to be polite. Most people want to be kind. A lot of people come back and say, well, that's interesting. If you think about it a second, interesting is a very carefully chosen word, right? So when they say that's interesting, You cannot take that for face value. You cannot say, okay, great, thanks. Right. Appreciate it. I'm asking a follow-up question. Well, tell me more. Tell me what tell me the top three things you like about this idea that I've shared with you. Tell me the top three things that raise a concern with you about me becoming VP of sales, about me picking up and selling everything I own, moving to London, about me leaving a really nice paying job in an industry where I've been for a number of years to go open up a franchise or startup. I'm coming from a recognizable company with a recognizable logo and brand that I'm about to go to a concept that nobody's ever heard of. By the way, I'm in manufacturing today. I'm going to go run retail. What do I know about retail? So when I'm asking my strategic relationships, what do you think? This is the time to be quiet and just listen. And if they give you vagueness, I jokingly tell people who know me, I'm allergic to vagueness because vagueness is not actionable. So what I want to do is I want to get after specificity. Tell me what you like most about this idea. Tell me what you're most concerned about this idea. Knowing me, Where do you believe I may be completely wrong with some of my assumptions? So the assumption is I'm a great sales rep. I'm going to be a great manager, even though I've never managed anybody. The assumption is I've been a great manager. I'm going to be a fantastic leader. The assumption is I know the U.S. market. I've succeeded here. I can equally succeed abroad, right? Different language, different environment, different foods, different cultures, different ways Americans in some ways are are received. The assumption is I know manufacturing and I know how to get supply chains in and out. I'm going to equally succeed in a franchise model. The assumption is I can go do something very different than what I'm doing today. Those are a heck of a lot of assumptions that can make or break that next growth stage for you. So I'm asking my relationships And this is the key. You have to create an environment where they're comfortable telling you, David, knowing you, 
I have no problems with you, this, 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 and this. My concern would be, what do you know about this, 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 and this? So I'm having those conversations. I'm reaching out to people. I ask them, number one, what do you think? And be questioned, you know, again, that's that's intentionally broad enough to kind of give them a lot of different directions they can go in. What I'm after is specificity. The positive column, what do they like about the idea? Negative column, what are their concerns? By the way, here's a relationship etiquette advice for you. If somebody gives you a negative perception, your job is not to get defensive. Your job is not to tell that relationship, well, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, right? Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're, you're confused. I've actually heard this, right? You called me asking for my expertise, and then you're telling me I'm confused. No, I don't think I'm confused. I think you're being short-sighted. But your job is not to get defensive in that scenario. You're, and I learned this from Marshall Goldsmith, right? Thank you thank you for the gift of their time, the gift of their insights. Can you help me learn more? Can you tell me more about why that's a concern? Or what have you, what have you observed in our interactions that believe that, that makes you believe that I don't know how to do that? So clarify, but your job is not to get defensive. So I want to know what they like. I want to know what they perceive to be my challenges or obstacles. I want to know about my assumptions. And then I ask, what am I not thinking about? I just painted for you that I'm going to go to London and lead this, or I'm going to take on the next project or next big initiative, or I'm going to lead our mergers and acquisitions, or I'm going to leave the company and go run this franchise. What am I not thinking about? And that becomes incredibly valuable. Because again, you remember the DK is, I don't know. DK, DK is, I don't know, I don't know. And I want to minimize that list. You want to go do a real estate deal? You don't know anything about tax incentives. You don't know anything about zoning. You don't know anything about construction and land development and those kinds of things, right? So what don't I know, I don't know. Which then leads me ultimately to my next question. Whom do you believe would be good for me to also connect with on this idea? Who else should I talk to? And I'm after three, not, not 75. I'm after the top three that may come to my mind. Oh, you should talk to a friend of mine is lives in London. Talk to him about the record heat this past week, right? Or a friend of mine is a VP of sales for another tech company. Let me introduce you to her. Or you know what, a friend of mine is running a franchise. A friend of mine runs a restaurant business. Let me, let me introduce you. So they ideally give you three individuals you should have a follow-up conversation. By the way, don't make assumptions. That's when I ask, you know, would you be kind enough to introduce us? May I send you a brief synopsis? Again, arm your relationships with the ammunition to intelligently introduce you. So may I send you a brief synopsis to kind of make that introduction? Would you kindly copy me? May I tell them or if I if they just get their contact? Yeah, you should talk to John Smith. Here's his phone number. May I tell him you, you, know, you referred me? So it's a warm introduction, not a cold call. And if you make a list of 5, 10, 
20 relationships and that are relevant to that world, imagine the insights you would get from the culmination of those conversations. Here's a bonus one that will really come in handy in a subsequent session. The relationship you just reached out to and you ask, what do you like? What don't you like? Or what are you concerned about? What am I not asking? Who else I should talk to? Here's one of the last things I kind of ask before I leave the conversation. May I circle back with you and keep you abreast of my progress? Because if they're a real relationship, they've demonstrated a vested interest in your success. And I just came to you with, I want to go do this. I aspire to go reach this next step in my personal and professional growth. And I asked you what you liked. I asked you what you didn't like. I asked you what I'm not asking about. I asked you who else I should talk to. And you've given me this treasure trove of just incredible insights and ideas and relationships. May I circle back with you? May I come back to you? with an update on my progress. And what I'm doing is I'm getting my return ticket punched. That's that's a piece of advice an old mentor gave me years ago, which is relationships need feeding and care. Relationships need nurturing. Relationships need an ongoing touch, ideally with value add. By the way, never, ever, never, ever, ever, never leave that call without thanking them. So Ken, Susan, John, I'm grateful. Thank you for your time, for your insights, for the relationships. Very kind of you. What can I do to support you? How can I help you? What can I give back to you? Reciprocity is a fundamental law in business relationships. And if you just call people and you just suck all this information out of their head and out of the experiences and I'm pretty sure the people you know with gray hair didn't paint on the gray hair. So if you just sucked all this value out of them, it's uncouth to not at least mention, what can I do to help? How can I be an asset to you? What can I give? How can I support you? And most people may not have anything at that point. But the whole idea of, of this idea of relationship currency exchange that I wrote extensively about in relationship economics, this next edition that's coming out in the winter is about these fundamental laws of business relationships. And if you don't do that, if you don't ask at the end, how can I be an asset? How can I support you? Then I'm not convinced they're going to continue to take calls and continue to invest their time and effort. One, two, really strategic relationships need to not just here, need to feel, need to experience that you heard them. You heard, you, you took their advice. You captured notes from your conversation. You followed up with the introductions they made. You care enough about this idea to follow through, not just make a transactional call. And the way to do that is keep them abreast of your progress. The way to do that, and we'll talk much more about this in, in a subsequent step, but the goal here is you got to keep them. And, and that's episode, that's the last step seven, which is connection cadence. We'll talk about that in that one, but you got to keep them in the loop of your progress. And you want to demonstrate that, that you understood them. So just to quickly recap, 
This is step five of the seven steps to meeting potential curve benders. I call this strategic relationships. Once you've done your due diligence, once you have a, a crystal clear, hopefully direction of where you want to go, what you want to do, what the vision is, you're going to really make that condense it, value and brevity. There's value in being concise. You're going to make a list of people that are already doing that job, people that are already in that location, people that are already on that next step you're trying to get to. If you don't know them, I'll come back to that in a second. But in reaching out to them, ideally a coffee meeting, ideally a, a lunch or a meal, ideally a phone call, right? That's in person is always preferred. If not, I'm going to do it virtually. I have a list of questions that I want to ask. Here's an idea. You know me. You know what I do. Here's the direction I'm going after. What do you think? I'm going to be quiet to kind of let them talk. If they give me generalities, I'm going to further drill down. I want to know what they like about the idea or this direction. I want to know what gives them concern. What are those yellow flags or maybe red flags? Um, I want to know, you know, by my assumptions, what am I, you know, what are the biggest assumptions I'm making? What are the, the critical assumptions that I'm making that you may or may not agree with? I want to know what I don't know, what I'm not asking about, what I'm not thinking about. I want to know at least three other people, who else I should talk to, who else should I meet around this topic, because they this is the network effect, right? They also have relationships. They also have people that, that you could talk to that will be an enabler, ideally, of your success. I want to success-proof that journey. I want to make sure that I've covered all the bases. And your relationships, friends, a friend of mine, Dave Burkus, talks about friend of a friend, right? That That next tier may have some insights that you didn't think about. And then, you know, what, you know, may I come back and update you on my progress? Last but not least, what can I do to help you? How can I support you? How can I be an asset to you? And you do this over time and you want to start capturing the insights. And you want to ideally capture, listen, listen to each of those questions. So what do you like? When somebody first hears a story or hears a direction, intuitively, they have a reaction, the positive reaction or the highlights. Those are the things that, and if you hear the same things over, oh, I think you becoming a VP of sales is a great idea. You know the sales, you know sales process, you know people, you know, all those things are great. Make sure you're not drinking too much of that Kool-Aid because you go to a whole bunch of people and everybody tells you that's great. Again, it's gonna it's gonna blind, it's the halo effect. It's gonna blind your ability to ask more critical questions. It's gonna blind your ability to see the blind spots, right? Likewise, um, you know, if you get all the things that concern people, there's that let's be honest, there's a lot of naysayers in our lives, right? That's never gonna work. That's the dumbest idea. I'm not defending it. I'm not arguing back. I am making a list of the things that concern them. And here's what you need to hear. If the same concern comes up with several relationships, David, love your idea, love your passion, love your enthusiasm. What do you know about construction? Nothing. If several people say that over and over again, that's a, uh, it's, it's something you need to address. And you don't have, the time to learn all this yourself or do all this yourself. This is where partnerships, this is where 
I'm going to shore up that weakness by, you know, through a partnership or co-creation with somebody else will really come in handy. But you got to make a list of things that are most concerned about. And, and they all can't be wrong. You go to 20 people, 20 relationships who know you, like you, trust you. And they all say that franchise idea or you opening up a restaurant is a really bad idea. I think I think it'll be really challenging to fight. Again, these are the people who know you and they know that environment and they're really comfortable in that environment. Not impossible, but now you're really looking at an uphill battle. So this is why you don't get emotionally attached to any next step, next stage, next whatever. So if a lot of people give you that those concerns, you have two options. Either you got to find a way to partner or address them, or you're going to abandon that idea and move on. Um, what am I not thinking about? Tell me about my assumptions. Again, am I making a list of all those things? Critical, critical that you track the relationships that they introduce you to, or they mention those that then you don't drop the ball because again, it's a telltale sign that you didn't care enough to write it down. You didn't care enough to follow up and you don't ever want that with your relationships. And then what can I do to support you immediately doing that? If they just invested time and effort insights with you, coming back and immediately adding value to their world is going to be really critical. But keeping, I'm keeping track of this. I'm keeping a database of this. I'm keeping notes of this. And this will really come in handy in our next, like I said, the final two stages of these seven steps. So six in the next session is agile execution. We're going to talk about that. And seven is connection cadence. And again, those are going to be really critical. When you do these things, they're going to dramatically accelerate your path to that next step. They're going to help eliminate pitfalls. They're going to help you uh, hopefully avoid learning some really painful lessons. Uh, they're going to help you eliminate wasting resources like time and capital and effort. Uh, and more importantly, they're going to they're gonna accelerate, again, your path in this journey. So I cannot emphasize this step five. Obviously, it's been a topic I'm really passionate about the last 20 years of my work. I've written extensively about this. There's all kinds of videos and episodes on this. So I would encourage you to likewise prioritize strategic relationships in whatever journey you establish for yourself. Your path, your journey from now to next is dramatically richer because of a few strategic relationships. It'll be a, 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 a more fulfilling experience because of a few strategic relationships. So I cannot emphasize this enough. Let me uh, quickly run through questions that I've gotten from others. And Mira, thanks thanks for being here. Glad, glad you're finding this uh, the topic of interest and value. Um, what if I know what if I don't know any relationships in in that arena that I'm that I'm aiming for? Let's say I'm I'm you know I don't know anybody in London. Or I don't know any VPs of sales. I don't know anybody who's in that franchise business or is in the restaurant business. That then becomes your, your next job. That becomes your mission. That becomes find people. So I'm reaching out my network. Do you know anybody who owns a franchise? Do you know anybody who runs a restaurant business? We all have friends. We all have professional relationships. Somebody, you're always, I've always believed this. You're always three degrees away from almost anybody else you need to meet. Somebody either knows someone who's international, runs a franchise, runs a restaurant, is a VP of sales, is covering Denver as a sales territory, 
moved from New York to San Diego, or they know someone who knows someone. You just have to make that your mission of, I need to go find people who are in the field or that next step or that next growth area that I'm headed for. So if you don't know them, you got to make that job number one. How do I go find other people? And I'm simply connecting the dots between the relationships I have. Again, I'll call that my relationship bank and the relationships I need. I call those pivotal contacts. I'm connecting dots between those two to figure out answers to those questions, right? Uh, biggest One of the biggest mistakes I've made over the years is not tracking this. That's when I said, keep great notes, create a database, create a personal Salesforce account, create a personal Zoho or HubSpot CRM. I, I don't care how you do it, but come up with a way to track these contacts and these touches. That's going to be, that's one of my own personal biggest regrets that I didn't keep track of a lot of these relationships and conversations. Um, other questions I ask is, you know, what if, what if everybody hates your idea? <laughs> so, uh, and I got to tell you, my, my own stubbornness has gotten in the way of that at, at times. This is when you want sounding boards, you want independent sounding boards. They all cannot be wrong. They all cannot want, you know, disaster for you. Right. So, um, you know, take their advice to heart. Uh, you know, by the same token, one of the things that define entrepreneurs is that they, in the face of that constant headwind, they find a way. So I, I do like pursuing something you deeply believe in, yet you need to find answers to those objections. So if somebody says, well, you don't know anything about the franchise business, you know what? That's motivation for me to go learn about the franchise business. When somebody says, well, what do you know about running a restaurant? I don't have to know anything about a restaurant. I got to go partner with somebody who owns 25, 30 restaurants and they can run that. Create an environment so they feel compelled to kind of come do this with you. So you don't have to do it all yourself. Um, the, the, the other one is... is this idea of why well, I've got, I think I want to do this. How do I test it? And that's a really critical point. I'm a huge believer of creating an environment of exploration, creating a culture of experimentation. I love testing ideas. I love a phased approach. Uh, so how, I love this idea. How do we test it? I want to launch an e-commerce site. Don't know anything about e-commerce. Great. How do we test it? I want to um, uh, go after this job. Okay, can I do a part of that job for six months? Can I go spend a whole lot of time with people who've done that job for a while and figure out how to do that before I make the leap? Can I go visit London a couple of times before I decide to move there? Maybe I hate it. Maybe I'll hate the weather or I'll hate the food or I hate the cost of living, whatever it is. Before I make the leap to go move there, can I go visit? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're personal note, we're, we're becoming empty nesters and we're thinking of leaving the house we've been in for 20 years to go something smaller in town and much more out in the country, out in the mountains. Well, before we feel that's a huge commitment. So I'm going to go rent. I'm going to go stay in different parts of areas that are close by to figure out, by the way, where's the grocery store and where's the, 
you know, where can I go get services? And I can I get a plumber to come to the house and fix things? And I'm talking to people who own mountain homes, or I'm talking to people who used to have property up there, and they commuted back and forth. What's involved in taking care of two places? Should I rent in town and really live somewhere else, right? So all of those are the things that you have to do your due diligence on. So uh, Mark, good to see you here, my friend. He's got a quick question. Um, if you're not quite at the point of exact target opportunity, is there still a way to use these strategic relationships? Never use leverage, leverage, words matter. Leverage these strategic relationships and conversations to help you get to your target or better alignment. Uh, absolutely. So, uh, and help us define our dream opportunity, maybe an earlier step in the series you covered. Yeah, Mark, great point. What I would do then, it, it's all about your approach. So I've always believed uh, specificity conveys credibility. So when I go to my relationships, Mark, I typically say, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think? Change your language a little bit. I would say I'm exploring. I'm thinking about this approach. I am looking at several different options. I wouldn't give them seven. I'm looking at these two, three options. Mark, I just got to really convey enormous value and brevity. Increasingly, we all have a short attention span. So I'm okay with your idea not being fully baked. I don't need seven ideas. So A, I would position it as I'm exploring. I'm thinking about this approach. Um, here's something that's kind of gnawing at me. Here's something that keeps me up at night. Use whatever analogy you want, but let them know this is top of mind. This is not an idea a minute. I'm looking at two, three options. Here's something I'm considering. What do you think? And, and really, you can, you can leverage your relationships to help you shape it, help you really solidify it, help you, um, again, validate some of your assumptions. Hey, I'm assuming that... This role was very similar to what I'm doing today. Or I'm assuming that retail is going to be about inventory churn and it's going to be a target customer base and it's going to be about exceptional service. It's going to be a combination of good pricing and right and, and just really building the brand. Is that accurate? Is that um, what am I not thinking about? Oh, retail. Nobody wants to go to a physical location. They want to get it all online or they want to go to a physical location and try something on, but still be able to kind of make that seamless. So. Yes, Mark, you can leverage the relationships to help you shape that idea, but you got to change your approach and you've got to really be open to your relationships modifying or shaping your direction, uh, which again, not necessarily bad. Um, just make sure you're crystal clear on your purpose. You're, you're crystal clear on why you're doing something. So if you want to go in the restaurant business and somebody says, listen, real estate is tough right now. You can't get chick, you know, kitchen equipment. Construction is going to take you forever. Why don't you start with a food truck? That's still in that same vein of you getting in the food and beverage business. Somebody says, Mark, that's the dumbest idea. You should have nothing to do with restaurants. You come from healthcare, stick to your healthcare. That's a little, little like a deeper conversation. That's something I want to go validate with a bunch of other people. So I hope that answers your question. I hope that's useful to you. Um, for our audience, again, uh, I hope this has been useful to you. I've been covering the seven steps to meeting potential curve benders. Uh, one was professional foundation, uh, personal foundation. Two was professional commitment. 
Three is this catalyst, the spark that makes you want to reach for new heights. Four is immersive inquiry. You go in, you learn as much as you can. This episode was about strategic relationships. How do I leverage those relationships to further define what I want to do, how I want to do it? Next session, I'm going to talk about agile execution. It's a topic that I've become really passionate about. I'm writing a lot about it. I'm thinking a lot about it. And then the last step, seven, is connection cadence. I'm also lining up some great guests for the fall. So I hope you'll continue to come back. I try to be live every Tuesday at noon Eastern on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. And uh, equally valuable, we uh, also repurpose these into the Curve Vendors podcast that I hope you'll also subscribe to wherever you consume podcasts. On behalf of our team, uh, thanks. Thanks for being here, Mark. Uh, I appreciate uh, your kind comments. Leverage relationships appropriately. There you go. Uh, so thanks for being here and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.